0: but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith you may be seated in the name of the Lord psalm 68 and 11 says the lord gave the word and great was the company of those that published it the author of hebrews wrote in the 12th chapter, verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with such a great, with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand, of the throne of God amen so tonight I just want to talk about translations of the Bible translations um, a translation is, is a I mean it's a uh, you translate from one language to another um, I read a story about two homeless people who are sitting on a park bench and one said to the other did you bring bread for the pigeons and the other one said, no, I don't eat pigeons with bread. <laughs> he, he didn't understand what he was trying to say. A woman says to a lawyer, I want to divorce my husband. And on what grounds? Grounds, we have two acres on the edge of town with fruit trees. No, that's not what I mean. Do you have a grudge? Yeah, we have a two-car grudge. But only one car is used, so the rest... It's for storage. No, no, no. Does he beat you up? No, I'm up by 6.30. Sometimes he's still sleeping by the time I go to work. Well, Why do you want a divorce, the lawyer says. Because we just can't seem to communicate. You Things are lost in translation. People translate things wrong. Uh, the uniqueness of Scripture. It has set the entire existence of the Bible apart from any other humanly conceived document. And it's not just because it's the only fully inspired book ever written, but it's also because the copies and many of the translations also have this gracious influence of God over them as well. So when you read a version like a King James Version, and you're feeling the holy ghost you're feeling the holy ghost cuz God was in that translation he he wasn't it the the original manuscripts weren't the only things that were anointed as they were written but God anointed these men and as they as they studied and as they translated uh, uh the word and it is God's sovereign man uh, it is God's sovereign manner to to minimize the influence of tainted work. Uh, uh, the uh the and I've used the example before, the Gospel of Thomas uh is a gospel that they found that was written around four or five hundred AD um, that supposedly tells of Jesus Christ's childhood. It gives stories of his first eleven years and people who aren't uh, Bible scholars who aren't Bible believers. Oh, why didn't they include this translation? Uh, uh, but you don't hear a lot about it because it wasn't anointed by God. God allowed these unanointed uh, 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 manuscripts to just kind of fade away and, and 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 not be included. Thank God they weren't included. Amen. We know the original twenty-seven books in the New Testament. I've taught on this before. Uh uh you know that that they didn't uh they didn't canonize those twenty-seven books, and before that time uh they were here and there. Oh no, we need to find the twenty-seven books we like the best and then canonize them. The twenty-seven books uh, uh were from the very beginning. These were the books that the church has copied, that they all had. Uh from right from the first generation church, these were considered the the, the New Testament. Uh, Long before they were canonized around 300, 400 A.D. Why? Because that's God's sovereign manner to just bring it together almost immediately and say, this, this is my text. This is what's uh, going to be canonized. And so he perfectly preserved it. And he has preserved the translated word of God as well. if only the original autographed manuscripts were inspired, you wouldn't even have the Bible today. Because none of us here, uh, you know, know Arabic or, or Greek or Hebrew. Uh, we wouldn't even be able to read it if, if, if there wasn't an allowance by the Holy Ghost for translations. So I thank God for translations. Uh, and God has preserved them. Jesus commanded his disciples to go and teach all nations. Yeah, but all nations have different languages. So if God didn't plan on having any translations, then you would have had to go and teach them, the nations, your language. Before you could even start teaching God's word. Obviously, it's easier to translate God's word and teach them in their native tongue. Amen? A professor, perhaps, is told to go and teach children in Russia uh, the complete history of the United States. Is he going to go and teach them English first? No, he's going to get the best textbook available on our history. And then he's going to translate it into Russian dialect. Why? Because that's going to be the most effective way to teach American history, is in the Russian dialect The people's native tongue. Um, I had a friend, Terry McCain, he had to learn Japanese so he could go overseas to teach English in their language. He had to teach it in their language. He had to be a living translation in order to get them to understand the principles of his native tongue. And, And that's why we need translations. Because we aren't Greek. We aren't Latin. We aren't, you know, Aramaic. Most of us can't read or write in Hebrew text. We, we read and write in English texts. Uh, uh, so the professor has a book that's written in Russian. But it's not about Russia. It's about America. It's about American history. It still teaches, although it's written in Russian, it still teaches on the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, the war to end all wars. Uh, World War II, it tells of the gold rush of the 1800s. The assassination of President Kennedy. The signing of the Declaration of Independence. It's accurate in the rendition of our history. But it's written in Russian. And so when you read an English translation of Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic, it's not that. It's not inaccurate. It's completely accurate. But it's in our language. So we understand it uh the Old Testament, the traditional date of translation for the original Hebrew dialect is around two fifty BC, about two hundred fifty years before uh the birth of Christ. Seventy-two authors, seventy-two scholars were in Alexandria, and they they put the Hebrew dialect together uh uh in in uh, uh In Greek, the archaeological work that was done in the late 1940s in Masada, unearthed copies of the Old Testament books that were dated between 30 A.D. and 70 A.D. and the content of the scrolls are identical even to the spacing of the uh, accepted Hebrew text today. Jesus, when He quoted passages, He quoted many of these passages from this dialect that was written, that was translated around uh, 250 B.C. So we know that Jesus uh, promoted translations. He was quoting from a translation. Um, In the New Testament, there's many copies. Uh, So as quickly as Paul would pen a book to the Roman church, uh, they would copy what Paul wrote, and they they would distribute his copies to all the churches. And if Paul would write a letter to the church at Ephesus, then they would copy that letter and they would distribute that letter to all the churches, not just in Ephesus, but to all the churches. So eventually all the churches had the 27 books that were written by the apostles and written by by uh, uh, the scribes, for, for example, Mark, Uh and so you had this main dialect, and it was, it was written in Greek for the most part. There were churches that, that uh, perhaps there were churches in Rome uh, uh, that were mainly Jewish churches, and so they would translate that into Hebrew. But for the most part, it was Greek that these original translations were, were written. There was other translations That were written Syriac, Egyptian, Ethiopian, Armenian, Old Latin. These translations, these earliest translations have been found 50 years after the death of John the Revelator. There are translations that exist today that were written just 50 years after the death of John the Revelator. Amazing when you think about it. Germanic, Gothic, uh, uh, around 350 A.D. Now this language, the Germanic language, is the, is the mother of our English language. Uh, and and uh, uh, around 350 A.D. is the first translation that is written that is similar to the language that we speak and read. Um, Jerome translated uh, a Bible into Latin. And this work beca- is called the Latin Vulgate. And for many centuries, it was the official Bible of the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, And this was written around 1400 uh, A.D. But the Roman Catholic Church took a stand that no one uh, was to have a translation. Jerome had uh, written translations. and No one was to have a copy of the translation except the priests. And so uh, it stopped the common man from forming their own opinions about God's word. Only what the priest said uh, was right or wrong. Uh, you have heard of famous, there are publishers today that are written, um, uh, uh, whose names are after some translators. Have anyone ever heard of the Wycliffe Bible, uh, Tinsdale Publishing? Uh, these were translators uh, during, the, during the Great Reformation uh John Wycliffe, for example, 1378, felt like everyone should have a Bible. Everyone should have a Bible in their own language. And so he translated the Latin Vulgate into English. And he was rewarded by being excommunicated from the Roman Catholic Church. But it was the beginning of, of what we have today in our current translations. So as a result of Wycliffe, for example, the Church of England, with the backing of the Roman Catholic Church, passed a bill in the English Parliament that forbade the circulation of any English uh, written scriptures. And if you, if you had a possession of a handwritten English translation of the Bible, you were put to death. For a hundred years, this law uh, covered uh, the Church of England. Uh, but the Byzantine Empire that was under attack by the Turks, many Christians were fleeing. And we might say, well, what does the Byzantine Empire have anything to do with the Turks in this war? I'll tell you why. Because the Byzantines, they were considered the, the, the Eastern Church. Remember, you had your Eastern Orthodox, you've heard Eastern Orthodox, you had your Roman Catholic and your Eastern Orthodox. And the Byzantines, they had preserved the Hebrew and Greek manuscripts. Remember we talked about they had that had all been translated into the Vulgate. But you still had those original manuscripts. And so the Western Roman Catholic Church uh, had the Latin scriptures, but the, the Byzantines still had the Greek and Hebrew texts. And so interest arose. What, what how? Can we translate these original texts? So William Tinsdale, born 100 years after the death of Wycliffe, uh, spearheaded a translation of the New Testament from the Greek. Not from the Latin Vulgate, but from the Greek. If you've ever wondered, why is the Roman Catholic Church Bible so different than a King James? It's because the Roman Catholics, uh, uh, they, they had their translations from the Latin. And and, uh, uh, most other translations are from the original Greek and Hebrew texts. So uh, a Greek scholar, Erasmus, translated the original Greek uh, into more current Greek. And that Greek is called the Textus Receptus. Anyone ever hear that term before? I've talked about it a couple times. It's called the Textus Receptus. And uh, it is what most translations that you read today come from. but lately, uh, they have gone back to uh, uh to this original Greek and original Hebrew, and there are some translations that that are coming out or that have come out that are that are even going back further. Uh, I'll tell you, Church, the greatest thing about all this is you don't see hardly any difference at all. Uh, the Tectus Receptus, which is the Greek. Uh, 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 is uh, th- which is the Greek around 110, 150 A.D. Uh, there's about 5,700 manuscripts of the New Testament. Amazing when you think about that from that time period. Uh, and then the, the other translation, it's called the Alexandrian Priority. The Alexandrian Priority, it's actually an older Greek, but there's not as many manuscripts. And so, when you see somebody say, "Hey, uh, this 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 version doesn't have, you know, First John five and seven, and this version does," many times it's because uh, uh, maybe that verse isn't in the Textus Receptus, but it is in the Alexandrian authority. And so, you've got to decide. These translations have to decide: Do we want to include it or don't we? Uh, thankfully, uh, it, when scriptures, when verses are left out. They aren't verses that that are going to either send you to heaven or hell on whether on whether you read them or don't read them. Any verses that are left out because you're not sure whether it's in a translation or not. Uh, uh, there's always a confirmation of that scripture in other scriptures. Do you know what I'm saying? The church, we don't believe in Jesus name, baptism, for example, just because of Acts 238. If they took Acts 238 out of your Bible, you would still believe in act in I was gonna say, you still believe in Acts 238. If they took Acts 238 out of your Bible, you still believe in Jesus' name and baptism. Because it's all through the Bible. It's not just Acts 238, right? Uh uh so when verses are left out because maybe it's not in the uh Alexandrian priority, but it's in the Textus Receptus. Uh, uh, you're not losing anything because that verse, uh, that concept, is in another verse already. So you're not you're not losing anything. That's the anointing of the Holy Ghost allowing that to happen. That's God saying, "I'm not going to allow a principle that I want taught to be taken out. Uh, if one verse uh, uh, was taken out, I'll make sure that that principle is still in my Word." So so people still obey. Amen. Bible translations and Bobby Joe, I'm I'm not sure we're at on this. I had given John a a, a picture file. Uh, So it's your birthday. You got some extra money and you want to buy a Bible. So you go online or you go to the local bookstore and you notice there is a plethora of choices. Uh, There's the Open Bible. There's the Thompson Chain Reference Bible. There's the New Revised Standard Version Access Bible. There's the Life Application Study Bible. There's the NET Bible, a New English Translation. The NET Bible is an interesting translation because uh, 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 Dallas Seminary put that together uh, uh, to be distributed for free via the Internet. That's why they came up with the NET so anywhere in the world, the NET version can be downloaded anywhere in the world for free. Pretty cool stuff, uh, what they did there. It's a good, it's a good translation. Uh, you have the New Revised Standard Version. You have the Life Application, NIV Study. You have the New King James uh, 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 Women's Study Bible. You have the King James Promise Keepers Men Study Bible. You have the Spirit-Filled Life Bible. You have the Message uh, Church, if, if you don't know what you're exactly looking for and you go to uh, Christian Book Distributors online or you go to a bookstore, you you will not know which one to get if you haven't done a little studying. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to um, thank you. Uh, and I have this file if you ever uh, wanted to uh, download it and and, and read it. The, the Bible is basically, when it's translated, it's translated either word for word or thought for thought. And uh, it is, nothing is set in stone here. Because you can't take word for word at times. It, you just can't. You, you, have to, you have to say, what's the thought that they're saying here? God so loved the world, well, well, we know that the original Greek or uh, probably the word love was 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 uh you know unconditional love uh, 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 but so you have to translate it into love uh, uh and so you have word for word where they try to do the best what what did this word in Greek or Hebrew mean, and then you have thought for thought, where they'll take the whole sentence and say, what are they saying in this sentence? and they'll they'll rearrange the words and and you'll 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 see the sentence and so when you're translating when you're trying to compare like King James uh is a word for le- word the, the the most uh specific word for word translation it's called the interlinear bible uh and it really does I have one it really does take it word for word it's almost impossible to read because greek is not written the way english is written in terms of A noun, a pronoun, a subject, you know, uh, it's totally written differently. And so this interlineal just takes the Greek word, translate, tries to come up with a word that means this word in Greek. And so it's almost impossible to read. But it's interesting. Uh, I do use it, the the interlineal, when I'm studying, um, uh, because it also gives me, my interlineal also gives me the original definition in Hebrew or Greek of what the word meant uh so that's why I use it uh, you have the new american standard bible uh you have the amplified uh, so i'm going word for word i'm uh, i don't know how well you can read this that actually looks good uh you have your english standard version these are word for word uh king james is probably the most popular word for word uh uh and then the new king james Uh, The Holman Christian Standard Bible, I know Elise was asking me uh, a month or so ago, she got a Bible. What was that version that you got? Christian Standard Bible, Uh, and that's not listed on here. I I knew it wouldn't be because it's a newer one. The Christian Standard Bible is actually the Holman Christian Standard Bible that's been updated. Uh, that That is considered one of the best versions out there. Uh, uh, because, listen, you lose, when you're just trying to translate word for word, at times you're gonna, you lose the thought of, of what God was trying to say um, because you get so focused on what was the word that they used, uh, where you really want to know what the whole thought is. And so then you have your thought for thought. Uh, the most popular thought for thought is the NIV, New International Version. Uh, that is a strong thought for thought version. Church, and, and listen, I, I'm i not going to kill any sacred cows here. But I want to tell you, for years, we were taught that if you didn't read King James, you're going to hell. I mean, I'll tell you, the church I went to when I first got the Holy Ghost, you weren't allowed to read anything but King James. I mean, we would have ministers come and preach about how evil NIV was, and it was it was it came from the devil. Ridiculous. I'll kill that sacred cow. NIV did not come from the devil. Any more than did King James come from the devil. If you ever study the life of King James, I tell you, that king wasn't a very godly man. He wasn't. Uh, But we love the King James. I still read my King James. I absolutely do. Uh, uh, King James, the, the greatest thing about King James is it was the very first translation that was that they put all this effort into with the scholars and they made it available to everyone and it was the translation 1611 it was the translation for like 300 years there's never been anything like that before or after there's never been one single translation that was so meticulously put together and used for so long so I do love the King James. There hasn't been another version that, that was so meticulous in its scholars. But we don't speak Old English anymore. Um, I, used this, I used an example, I think it's in Timothy or Peter, where it says that a woman should be shamefaced. Well, shamefaced in 1611 surely doesn't mean the same thing today. Ladies, don't walk around acting, sh- acting shamed. There's nothing to be shamed about. But King James translated that word, which meant humble, to be, to be said, shame, said Because that's what humble meant in 1611. Uh, so there's stuff like that where King James, although we love it, uh, a lot of the words aren't accurate in the English we speak today. Uh, And then you have your paraphrase. Uh, I do use the message. I do not read the message by Dr. Patterson uh, as as a translation of the Bible. I do not. It is not a translation. It is a paraphrase. It is a man's, it is a story. Uh, It's interesting to read, but, but you should never read the message. You should never read the living Bible as if you're reading a translation of the original Greek or Hebrew. Uh, these are just paraphrase. Uh and I do have that uh if you ever are interested in, in uh in keeping I actually keep I actually keep this on my phone uh, uh because from time to time I'll be asked a question or or I'll read something and it'll quote the translation. I'll say, Well, which one what are they quoting? Where where did that translation come from? Um, and so the big difference uh uh between Bible version and translation is is uh is uh obviously the publishers but it's it's about devotion uh if if you are if you're doing a daily devotion read a thought for thought version but if you are doing a deep bible study it's better to do a word for word translation like a king james a new king james uh uh i'll tell you unless you know the original hebrew greek and aramaic you have to have a translation you have to um And so they're a good thing, or else we wouldn't be able to read our Bibles. So after the Septuagint, uh, you had the Greek, you had the Latin, you had your first English version, the authorized version, the King James, translated over about uh, seven years in 1611. You had the English revised version, the American Standard, the Revised Standard. Uh, the, the, The Revised Standard version, its goal was to capture the best modern knowledge, to capture the meaning of the Scriptures, and so it was a thought for thought. So there's, uh, I could talk all night about all these different translations. A lot of these translations, believe it or not, are actually King James translations that have been updated. Obviously, the most popular King James that's been updated is New King James, right? But but church, the New Revised Standard is a King James Version. <laughs> They've just updated it. Um uh, And so the New American Bible, for example, many of us have never heard of that. That's actually a Catholic scholar Bible where they actually finally allowed, it's hard to believe, church, 1943 is when they finally allowed a translation for the Roman Catholic Church from the original Greek and Hebrew. Before that time, it had to come from the Latin, which had come from the original Greek and Hebrew. So very interesting. Uh, New English version. The Revised English Bible. They are translations. The the Good News Today's English Version. These are uh, original texts, but using contemporary English. NIV, middle of the road. New Century, New Century Version, Contemporary English Version. These are all just translations. Living Bible, The Message con, uh, commentaries. It's complicated, to say the least, to translate a language that we don't know, that we don't read, that we don't study, into a language that we know. That's complicated to do that. Um, I read a book years ago called Barucco. Uh, A a man uh, felt called by God. He was a genius from Chicago, I believe. Called by God to to the inner areas of, of South America. Uh, to spread the gospel there and he there were tribes there that uh, he would have to spend years trying to figure out a way to translate God's Word Uh, because they they not only did they not know English but their language was so um, was so simple and the Bible is so complex that he had to come up with ways just to translate into their language a complex thought for a language that wasn't complex at all. So it that was a really good book worth reading, but it really helped me understand. Wow, this is this is interesting. So for example, Matthew 17 and 18. Let's let's go to it. What time is it? Well, we we got some more time here. Matthew 17 In 18, I'm going to read the King James Version. Uh, And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. In the Greek, it says, I'm not even going to try it to pronounce these words. Uh, but in the Greek, if you translate the words, word for word, Keo, Autohan, Isus, kai," it would read like this, and rebuked it, the Jesus, and came out from him, the demon, and he healed the boy from the hour that, that is the most accurate translation of the original manuscript but it doesn't help us at all because that's not how we read. That may be how Greeks read, but not for us. The two languages aren't alike. And and, and so it creates this complicated issue. So when somebody argues, if it's not word-for-word translation, I'm not going to read it. Guess what? It's impossible to have a word-for-word translation. It's literally not possible because we don't read Word for word, the way Greeks read word for word. And so you have to have this translation. No two words are alike. For example, filio, It's translated as brotherly love. But it is also used for kiss. That same word is used for kiss. So when Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss, it's the same word. So, you had to know the context of it to know that Jesus wasn't betrayed by brotherly love. He was betrayed by a kiss. And so, it's complex, is all I'm saying. So, you, you have to have these scholars who really know their stuff, who understand the whole context to be able to, to translate it. English, A H S, us, it means A, and, while in Greek, it doesn't. In English, the big city. In Hebrew, that means the city that's big it's not cut and dry. Uh, he was healed from the boy from the hour. the boy was cured at once. The child was healed from that very moment, and so you have your formal translations, you have your word for word, and then you have your your thought for thought translations in reality i've I've read two scholarly scholarly books on translations of the Bible. In reality, church, it's not that one's right or wrong. It's not. It's it's how they're written. You you want to have a translation that is well written, that has gone that has used many scholars to come up with the translation that is accredited translation. You you don't want to just go and find the most simple translation and say, "Well, this is a complete anointed word of God." You got to be wise about the translations you you read. Again, we talked about the paraphrase. Don't read the paraphrase. Don't read the living Bible. Don't read the, the amplified Bible. Don't read the message as if they were the anointed word of God. Those are, those are study helps. Those are study helps. And you don't take them as translations. So what's the most accurate translation? And and in the books that I've read on translations, this is always the question. And the authors always, they, they beat around the bush with this. Because what are you talking about when you say accurate? Do you mean what is the most accurate thought for thought? Or the most accurate word for word? And so, the most accurate formal, so we'll say word for word, it's the King James Version. It is the New American Standard Version. They, these two versions... Uh, and I read the New American Standard Update. That's the one I, I read more than any other one. Uh, they are the two most accurate word-for-word word that takes thought-for-thought thought because the interlineal is the word-for-word, word, which is almost impossible to read. But they, they, they have preserved the word-for-word word, uh, as best as possible. Uh, what's, the, what's the most accurate thought-for-thought? uh it's the new international version of course, and the new revised versions uh uh and there are other versions that have come out uh, uh, uh you know that that are good the King James, if it's too difficult to read, read the new King james um, remember church the translation uh, uh it, it, by an individual it isn't nearly as good as one by a committee. If you're reading a translation that was written by one person, better to read one that was written by a committee of people that put it all together, that argued with each other about what this word means versus this. That's that's the translations you want to read. Amen? Alright, let's stand tonight. I've written down a bunch of different translations. Here, I'll just read this. John 3.16 Um, Because we all, everyone knows John 3.16. For God so loved, we'll read King James. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Right? Right? The New International Version says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, That whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So you have should in one version, shall in another, everlasting life in one version, eternal life in another. The, The New Word translation, New World translation. For God loved the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son in order that everyone exercising faith in Him might not be destroyed, but have everlasting life. That's probably a pretty accurate, you know, might not be destroyed. Yeah, we want everlasting life. New American version for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but have everlasting life. Love it. You see, church, none of the versions are wrong. They're just different versions. Um, And so. I thank God that he has given us the ability to decipher God's word, to read God's word. Above all else, aren't you so thankful that you're able to open up God's word and read it? And we've got the Holy Ghost and have that anointing. Uh, And and church, Brother Spite and I have had uh, conversations about this. I'll tell you, church, the most important part of all of this that I'm teaching is that you've got the Holy Ghost. That you've got that Spirit in you that helps you understand God's Word. Amen. That's that second witness. The Bible talks so much about two or three witnesses. We need a second witness when we are getting into God's Word. And that second witness is the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And then a third witness is the preached Word. Preached Word should never go against the written Word or the anointing of the Holy Ghost. So I thank God for His Word. I just thank God for it. Amen. I love it. I love Him. He's good. He's everything. Amen. Let's sing this song.